Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. Bible, go to 1 Kings 19. If you want to look on your phone, that's fine. If you're looking for 1 Kings, there's no shame. We got table of contents in the front of those Bibles. Uh, my name is Luke Crabb. If you're, you're joining us for the first time, man, I'm super excited. If you've been tracking with us for a while, I'm also excited that you're here. Either way, man, 1 Kings 19 is where we're going to be hanging out for a little bit. Um, we are in this series called Voices uh, simply because, man, we want you to know God and we want you to know His voice. Um, there is so much, you know, just chatter, man. Like so many voices speaking into our life, whether it's just coworkers, friends, social media. Like we want you to be able to say, yes, this is from God and this isn't. So that's our heart behind doing this series. Um, growing up, if I would have been in your seats about six years ago, I would have said, hear from God? What do you mean hear from God? That's not really a thing. Because about six years ago, uh, I would have called myself an atheist. I didn't believe uh, in anything at all. And I thought, man, like that's just a bunch of hocus pocus. I'll unpack that a little bit tonight. Um, There was just some people coming uh, around me in my life and they just kept coming to Christ. If you don't know what that means, like they'd made a decision to follow Christ. And I was like, what is that? And then their life was kind of just like changing before my eyes. And I was like, well, I should probably look into this. Like, what is this thing? Um, And I picked up a Bible and started reading it. And about six months later, uh, found that there is a lot of evidence for the Bible being true and uh, just a lot of validity. Uh, Like I said, 1 Kings 19, I'm gonna go back to my story a little bit tonight. Um, Context of 1 Kings, um, you guessed it. The book is about kings. Uh, Don't overthink it. The Bible is actually not that complex. Uh, If you just slow down, try to understand the main themes of the Bible. It's a story about kings, but then it's following this nation called Israel. That's a really important thing in the Old Testament today. It's it's just, it's it's not the same. But basically this nation has been divided in the book of 1 Kings and it's following these kings around. Um, There's a prophet. I'll explain what that is. His name's Elijah. A prophet is someone who spoke on behalf of God, um, especially in the Old Testament. And then this is important, I'm gonna come back to this as well, Baals, you hear Baals, just think idols. A lot of times we can read that and we can think, hey, that doesn't, that's not really a thing in our culture, but an idol is really anything that, man, you put before God, okay? So that could be, man, it's crazy, like it could be your phone, It could be your dog. Like so many things can become an idol in our life. Um, That's an important thing in this story, in the context of what's going on. Really the story we're gonna jump into, it has three parts. I'm gonna tell you the second part. It's important that you know a little bit about the first part. The first part is about, um, it's crazy, but (laughs) fire comes from heaven. God sends down fire from heaven. That happens in chapter 18. Uh, to prove that he's actually God and these Baals, they're not the true God. So he does that, that's the first part. The second part, I'm gonna teach that. The third part, God gives him a commission. So what's really interesting is this second part because that's the thing that's gonna kind of, it's gonna change his paradigm, so to speak. What, what happens here in these few verses, I mean, changes the trajectory of his life. It's very important. 
that we understand what happens in these next few verses. But specifically, in chapter 19, what's going on is Elijah, he's on the run. Okay, he's running literally for his life. Uh, the king at that time, they wanted to kill him um, because he was a prophet of this God who sent down fire. Um, and it's safe to say, it's not safe to say, it, it's in the Bible. Like this dude's, he is depressed. He's exhausted. Uh, he definitely has anxiety. That would be a gentle way of putting it. He is actually wishing that he is dead at this point in the Bible. Um, those can just be words or we can get real tonight and just be honest about where we're at. Maybe you find yourself in a similar situation. Don't have a ton of hope. Because this guy, he's a prophet for God. He's on the run. You're going to get into like where he's at and, and why he would be so really depressed. I mean, that's the best word for it. He's wishing that he was dead. So if you're in here, what's about to happen in this part two of this three-part story is very, very important, man. Very important. First Kings 19, verse 9. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. I'm going to stop here and explain this because it's really interesting because in the book of Exodus, this is an Old Testament book about the people of Israel. There's a man named Moses and God met with Moses. He has him look, this is Exodus 33. He has him look through this cleft rock. A lot of people believe that uh, 1 Kings 19, this verse right here, that's actually that same uh, rock that God met with Moses in Exodus. You're like, oh, what's that mean? Well, Basically, here's the question I have for you, man. Where is the place that God shows up for you? Like, where are you going so you can hear God's voice? That's what's going on here. God, he has specific things that, man, he wants you to go. He wants you to get away and seek his voice. Elijah didn't have a choice. He's, he's getting forced out. He's on the run. The verse goes on. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I'm going to stop here. Why do you think, or do you think that God knew what he was doing there? I think sometimes we read stuff like this in the Bible and we're like, okay, just keep going. No, God knew what he was doing there. He's God. He's over all things. He's aware of all things. He's, he's all wise. But he asked this question, what are you doing here, Elijah? Why does he ask that? He, he knows the answer. But he's still asking because he wants Elijah to know, hey man, I want to hear what's on your heart. I know you're stressed. I know you have anxiety. I know that you're depressed. I know that you're like, you're on the brink of suicide. So he wants to hear from him. And right now, you don't have to lie to God. He's not surprised about what's on your heart. Be honest with him. Do you know that you can be honest with God? It's almost weird, and I do the same thing. Like, I feel like uh, I'll, like, lie whenever I'm journaling to God or, like, talking or praying. It's like, God, today's going so well, and it's been terrible. It's like, why do we do that? He knows today's not good. Man, he, he knows what's on our heart, and he wants to hear what's on your heart. That's why he's asking that question. Verse 10, he said, and this is Elijah, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. So this is what is, what's on his heart. He's saying, hey man, God, I've served you, man. 
Like, why is this happening to me? This is 3,000 years ago approximately. And he's still believing the same thing that so many of us still believe to this day, that if I follow God, everything's going to go well. That's not true. And this dude knew his Bible, likely had it memorized, what he had of it. But right here, I'm going to recall the the three-part message here. His emotions at this point are like at an all-time low. He's depressed, remember? So this is, this is true of me, it's true of you. We are emotional beings. I don't want to throw that off. But just be aware of your circumstances and how that could be impacting your view of God. Like maybe you're in a low season right now and you just feel like you can't trust God with anything. Elijah knew God. But for some reason, he forgot everything that he knew because his emotions were at an all-time low. How do we know that they're an all-time low? Remember part one of the story? Like God literally sent fire down. (laughs) This happened. Fire down from heaven. And he called it. Elijah said, this is going to happen. Could you imagine the spiritual high that Elijah's on at this point? That's That's in chapter 18. He's on this spiritual high. But then he's on the run. So we know that he's on this spiritual low. So right now, consider... Man, what's going on in my life that could be impacting my view of God? The verse goes on, it says, And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life, talking about the people who want to kill him, to take it away. Remember, he, he does, he's not even understanding reality. That's what's going on with Elijah. Because here's the thing, he wasn't alone. But he's convinced that he's alone. Let me, give you, let me give you something here. This is a strategy of the enemy. It's to isolate you and make you feel like you're alone. He's not alone. In this moment, he's alone, but he's taken it so far and, and told himself the lie that there is absolutely no one around me. The Bible's not relevant. I don't know what is because look around right now. If you're in this place and you're like, hey, I just feel like I'm alone in my walk with God and it's just hard. Hey, Can I just tell you something? You are not alone. There's people in this room right now that want to come alongside you and they want to help you pursue Christ. And that's why we want to do this thing, group launch tonight. For real. We are very passionate about this. Listen to me. People, you cannot follow Christ alone. It it doesn't last. I've tried. (laughs) It lasts like three months. You're going to burn out and And you're definitely going to fall into sin. You're not alone. And and some of you, if you if you are hearing that, like no one would be able to understand my problems. You're wrong. If you were to say the thing that's going on in your life right now, and we did like a poll, and people raised their hands that could relate, you would be shocked. Like whenever I come down here after a message, or if I'm in the lobby at church. Like people come up to me and they act like they're like shocking me with something. And I'm always aware like they, they think this is like something I've never heard before. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, this isn't that crazy to me. But they think I'm going to be shocked about a situation that they're going through. And I'm saying that because I want you to know there's people here tonight that want to come beside you. They want to help you follow Christ. Man, some of us need to go to group launch because, man, we're isolated and we're telling ourselves a lie that we're alone and we're not. Verse 11, and he said, go out 
and stand on the mount before the Lord. So this is God's reply to what's on his heart. Hey, I want you to go stand over here and and you're gonna stand before me. Imagine how excited he would have been at this moment. He would have been fired up. He's about to see God. Okay, you getting that? And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. This man, he's been pushed out and God, what's he doing? He's like, hey, let me see your eyes. I want your attention because what I'm about to do in your life, Elijah, is gonna blow your stinking mind. And you're gonna see that, his reaction. Um, He's got his attention. Uh, Being overseas, I just came back from a trip, like a month-long trip last month. And as soon as I basically stepped back on American soil, I just felt like I was in a rush. I didn't feel that for like a month. But there's something about our American culture, and I don't know if this is like spiritual warfare or what this is, but man, we are just in a rush. Like I I was going to get my wife and I coffee, and I was like three things ahead. I'm like, what is going on right now? I need to chill out. And I think that that could be a strategy of the enemy as well. That, that he wants to make you busy so that you can't even hear from God. That you've either filled up your schedule or your schedule's not full. You think it's full and then you get anxiety about something that you have that night and it's like, or you're looking at your phone, you're trying to hear from God and then your phone goes off and it's like, oh, there's 30 minutes, I gotta get to work. The enemy wants to steal kill and destroy you. The last thing he wants is for you to hear from God. And he wants to make you so busy that you've spent your entire life, man, filling up our schedule but never hearing from God. How I got there in this verse is it's, it's God saying, hey man, let me see your eyes. I want your attention. I know you're frazzled. You got a lot going on. You're on the run. You got nothing. You got nowhere else to go, buddy. That's what he's saying. Elijah, look at me. I'm about to show you something that's gonna blow your mind. Verse 11 goes on. It says, and behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake, a fire but the Lord was not in the fire. I think that last one specifically, him not being in the fire would have been weird to Elijah because remember chapter 18, you were in the fire, man. You're the fire God. So here's the thing. Let me explain what's going on. God's teaching Elijah, hey, don't don't just look for the extraordinary ways I'm gonna talk to you. Yeah, there may be some instances where I send fire or do something crazy, but hey, if you're always looking for that, you're gonna miss the ordinary things. And I think so many of us, including me, I'm like looking for a sign from God. And God's about to show us, man, don't miss the ordinary things that I wanna show you. I remember whenever I, I was stressed out of my mind about three years ago. This is, I'm reading through the book of Matthew and uh, I literally take a time out of my day at work. I go somewhere, I read my Bible. I'm reading through Matthew, Matthew 6, 34. So don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Today's worries are enough for today. That's what I needed. 
I just needed to know that the truth from God's word, man, that's all I need. I just need to understand, like, does God got my back? Yeah, he's got my back. He's telling me, and he wants all of us to know, if you're in Christ, you can't go anywhere. And that's what he's about to show in this passage. He isn't in a strong wind, he isn't in an earthquake, and he isn't in the fire. Here it is, verse 12, where's he at? And after the fire, a still, small voice. See, God shows up. Some translations call it a whisper. Because God wants to show you that if you are so distracted, you'll miss it. You gotta get alone and you gotta start to listen for God's voice. You look at the Hebrew on this this word, which would have been the original language that it was written in. It literally means voice. And there's, it's an adverb, so we know that it, it was talking about this is God's voice. This is God speaking to Elijah. And seeing Elijah, remember, he, he experienced, he would have saw, I just want to continue to reiterate this. He would have saw fire coming down, proving that this is the one true God. And in his mind, he's like, that's it. This nation, man, this is going to turn it around. Literally. Like seven verses later, he's on the run, and the leaders of this nation want to kill him. But what he needed more than anything else wasn't more fire. It was to hear God's voice. That's what he needed. Remember, part three's coming because he's about to hear something from God that's going to send him on a mission. So he needed whatever God had for him here. It's God's voice that every one of us need. It's not a sign, it's not anything else. It's not a John Maxwell thing. It's, not, it's nothing else. Like we literally need to hear from God. That's the greatest need in here tonight is that we would hear God's voice. Verse 13, here's his reaction. Elijah, he just heard God's voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. So this response is kind of weird. He would have pulled it over his head and he would have went somewhere else. Why? Because he is humbled by God's voice. Like when God speaks to you, that clearly communicates to us, we need help. And it humbles us to a place that, man, I am realizing that I need help. And that's what he is realizing right here. He didn't have this same response whenever he saw the fire. Brother was fired up. But there was something about hearing God's voice that he would have covered up his head. It was almost like he was afraid in some way of God. In a healthy way, he was afraid of God because he was experiencing God in a new way, in a more real way than ever. He was a prophet. He would have known a lot about God, but this blew his mind. Point number one, we desperately need to hear God's voice. You don't need to hear from me tonight. You don't. I'm just trying to get you to hear the real voice, for real. That's the point of tonight is not for you to hear a good sermon. I want you to hear from God, okay? I love a good sermon, man. I've heard some people give a sermon on this stage that I'm just like, good luck finding a sermon better than that. But there is no replacement for you spending time with God and hearing his voice on your own, alone. Man, there is no substitute. In my life, man, like I've heard some really good sermons, But the thing that changed my life was hearing from God. 
Like, I think in our minds, we think that God, I know this ain't me, so y'all are gonna be quiet whenever I say this, but I'll be calling people sometimes, and I'm like, I kinda don't want them to pick up. I'm like, please don't pick up, please don't pick up, please don't pick up. Hey, man, how's it going? Yeah, so you need to break up with her. That's not a good deal that you got going on there, man. Uh, And we think that is how God treats us. That he doesn't want us to pick up and hear his voice. That's not true. John 10, 27 says this. My sheep hear my voice. That means the shepherd, Jesus, is calling out to his sheep. And I know them and they follow me. Like I said, I just got back from Central Asia, um, there's actually sheep and shepherds still in the world, I guess. So every day I walked outside, I would see this shepherd. I think it was the same one. I didn't get close to him every day, but there was a few days where I did get close. I was like checking this out. But it is fascinating just to see that relationship a shepherd has with his sheep. And it's a very mountainous area. Like, not the mountain, it's 20,000 feet. That's not the mountain he was on, but crazy. And they'll take their sheep through these mountains. So it's like kind of dangerous. And uh, you'll see him and there'll always be this one sheep. Like if you just watch for like three minutes, he's kind of like paranoid. Like he's like in the mountains, like, where's he going? Where's he doing? And his first thing that he always does is he'll yell out to him. Hey, come back. And he's like yelling that. And then the second thing or third would be he would pick up a rock and he would try to hit the sheep with with a rock. I'm like, dang, bro, what if you hit him in the head? It's dangerous. And then I noticed this also. This is just a side note, and it's so interesting that Jesus uses this. Every time we got too close to those sheep, they would run to the shepherd. And they're kind of lazy, so like, they're just like, oh, here we go. I got to go back to the shepherd. Man, God, he wants you to know his voice. And the same relationship he has with those sheep, that shepherd, that's the relationship God wants with you. Hey, he's gonna, like, he's gonna try and call out to you. You don't want the rock, man. And I'm not, he will. I'm not playing. He wants your attention. Hear his voice and follow him. So if we need to hear God's voice, man, what is the most common way you can hear God's voice? Like, does God still speak the way he did to Elijah like we can differ on that. I, I don't really care if you, if you believe something different or you do or you don't. That's not what I wanna talk about. The answer though is yes, that God still speaks. And the most true answer I could give you is the main way he does this is through his word. It's through his word. If you're in here and you just heard me say that and you're like, oh man, I thought this place was different. This is just like the church I grew up in. This guy's about to hit me with this Bible stuff and I don't even know where I stand on that. You've already heard my story. I disagreed with the Bible. I didn't think it was true. I didn't think it was from God. I thought it was from men. If you're in here, man, I'm so fired up that you're here tonight. And I just want you to think logically with me here for a second. I'm gonna just hit you with some stats about the Bible because whenever I started to research and I saw this, I was like, uh-oh, this is, what it's, this is some of the stats. The Bible is 66 different books. Some of them are letters, but they've been compiled together to really tell one story. Written by 40, approximately 40 different authors, written on three different continents. 
Uh, there's 6,000 New Testament um, manuscripts that are still intact today. That would make it the most uh, ancient, the, the most historically accurate ancient document in the world. So let me, let me remind you, 66 books, 40 authors, three continents, and, and the Bible doesn't contradict itself once. Not only that, there's still archaeological evidence that's being found like every year, even like the weird stuff in the Old Testament that you're like, no way that happened. And they'll like find something to prove it. Listen, if you're in here and you're hearing like, I don't know about this, just man, hear me out. There is an overwhelming amount of evidence. I'm not kidding you. It's crazy to prove that the Bible is true. Like you can trust this Bible. And if you, hey man, you're like still, I don't know about this. Hey, welcome to the skeptic club. Like I would love to connect with you and just in a loving way, talk and dialogue about that. But the Bible, it didn't just have human authors. It had those 40 authors, but really it had one author. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would have guided these men to write down the Bible. And Elijah, just like you and me, even today, could have been doubting God's word because he had these five books that were written by this guy named Moses. And he could have been like, well, what if those are just Moses' words? I mean, like, can we really trust it? And then you read 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. That's what it says. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. So what that's saying is that basically, this thing ain't written by men. Then it goes on, it says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. What that's teaching is that the Bible was written, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, meaning that Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that means that the Bible was actually written by God. It was carried along by God. There was human authors, but it was carried along by God. So if you want to hear God's voice, my best advice would be for this. Literally, and I'm not trying to be facetious, like literally, if you were to open up the Bible, this is my best answer from the Bible. If you opened up the Bible, got into a room and just started reading it out loud. I'm not kidding you. That would be the best way to hear God's voice. Why? Because it was literally written by, by God. It was penned, but it was carried along by God. Number two, we desperately, if that's true, what I just said, we desperately need to know his word. If you're to say, hey, I'm his sheep, meaning that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, man, you've got to know this word. You don't need to hear from me. My goal tonight is to give you a heart for the Bible. There's my cards, because that's where you're going to hear his voice. The longest chapter, and I just want to read these verses, because these are just amazing. There's so many verses. Psalm 119, it's all about God's word. It may be referred to as uh, testimony or the law or several different ways that it, it, it'll be law. Just, he says all kinds of things, but all of them are talking about God's words. Psalm 119, 105 says this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Have you ever tried to walk in the dark? It doesn't, it, I mean, Apple's bailing us out now with the light on the back of our phone, but like, you can't get around. 
And it's crazy to me that we think that we can like just walk around and not know his word. It's literally the light unto our path. It will direct your steps. Psalm 119 verse 9 says this. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. You want to know what gave me freedom from my sin? God's word. Like, and I don't want to oversimplify it. Yes, I had brothers around me that were holding me accountable and all that other stuff. But more than anything, it would have been God's word. Like, I don't want to oversimplify everything about our walk with God. But man, we got to hear his voice and you got to know his word. Psalm 119 verse 97. This is what he would have said. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. So just picture that. He's just walking around meditating on God's words. Why? Because he knows if I don't, it will not end well. And it will not end well for you and me if we do not know God's words. See, God's words, it's our direct access to his voice. And man, some of you, you know these verses. Like all the verses I've read tonight, you even know the King's passage. You could have taught the King's passage. You know it, but you've never enjoyed it. And there's a difference between knowing some stuff and enjoying some stuff. Because when you know some stuff, you enjoy some stuff, and then you show some stuff. Okay, so I would ask you this. Would other people be able to look at your life? That's a Christian. The way that he or she lives. He's just walking to a different path. You may know it. If you don't enjoy it, you're never going to show it. Just got back once again from Central Asia. And uh, man, it's just crazy being in another part of the world. And it's very humbling. Um, but this story was just blew my mind. Uh, we, the missionary that we were staying at, his house, uh, Basically, five other pastors came into his house one night for a place to stay because they were at like an underground pastor's conference, which is just like, I'm like searching for the words because it's so foreign to us. But they were at an underground pastor's conference. They go to this pastor's conference. They walk in this house. They don't speak a lick of English. We don't know anything that they're saying, but there's a translator there. We're sitting across the table from these other pastors in this country that's highly persecuted and uh, so we're sitting across the table. They would say something. We'd look at the guy to translate. We'd like, that's cool. It's kind of funny if you, if you go like this, like you'll smile and nod, like whenever they're speaking a language you don't know. And then it's like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't know what you're saying because you're trying to be nice. Um, but at one point, one of the people started to get like really excited. Like she was like in the other language. So I'm like, Am I going to be excited with you? Like, what'd she say? She's like, we're celebrating the two-year anniversary of having the Bible in our language. That's crazy. It's not like this is 250 people. It's not 250,000 people. It's not even... Two million people that didn't have the Bible in their language. It's 35 million people who didn't have the Bible in their language. 
Man, it, it does a couple things, man. I, I, there's so much I wanna say about that, but number one, it makes me thankful. Just so thankful that we have the Bible in our language. Number two, it's kind of scary because there's verses in the Bible that say you will be held accountable for what you've been entrusted with. That is scary, very scary. Or, or my wife, she was talking to these uh, high schoolers and my wife's just casually talking to them and my wife's like, so you read the Bible? Like, what's that look like for you? Because they're like 15, 16. My wife's trying to understand, you know, what does it look like for you to follow Christ? And the girl's like, yeah, I do read the Bible. And uh, it's kind of hard though because uh, my parents are very Muslim Um, So I have to sleep with the Bible underneath my pillow. It's just like, (laughs) to whom much is given, much will be required. We have been giving so much, man. And I'm not trying to guilt anybody up here. But I just want you to know, like, this is the grace of God. I don't know why I was born here. Like we have so many advantages that we don't even understand because we know English. Like there's so many like commentaries and resources that have been written in English so that we can understand this Bible. I was thinking about this this week as I was just like studying all of these passages and like trying to understand, wrap my head around like, and I was just like, man, it's probably insulting to God whenever we say, Like, just pray. Like, God, would you reveal yourself to me? Why is that insulting, Luke? Like, pray that, but open the Bible. That would be like a father giving his son, like, his most prized possession that's going to fulfill a purpose. And then you go, and I know it does that, but I need something else. It's like insulting to God that we wouldn't know this thing and devour it. It's, It's convicting for me. Man, if I want to be used by God, i got to know his word. If I want to love God with all of my heart, with all of my mind and all of my strength, man, i got to know his word. Man, a, a man who I admire a ton, uh, he, he was a pastor for about 40 years, which is just obnoxious to be a pastor for 40 years. He's written like 50 plus books. And uh, man, he knows the Bible as well as anyone you're going to hear. And he retired a few years ago, and he was in an interview, and they asked him, they said, hey, what are you going to do with all your spare time? He replied, and he said, I'm going to study my Bible. What? Like, that does, what? Like, this guy knows the Bible so well. Does this not communicate that this is not just another book? This guy's got like three doctorates and he still knows that there, this, is, this book is an endless well filled with gold and he will never reach the bottom. He said, I'm gonna study my Bible with my free time. And this is a guy who just loves God. Elijah, he, he could have he uh, been like, I just need a motivational speech right now. Like I need to hear There's like this guy that's really encouraging. I just need to go by his house and he'll give me this pep talk. Um, And that will be exactly what I need now that I'm at my darkest point. But then I read 
2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says this, All scripture is breathed out by God. So that's it's a cross-reference to 2 Peter. And profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. You want to you know, be used by God? You've got to know his word. Look, look at verse 17. That the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Listen, you do not need other resources. You don't. If you want to be used by God, know his word. What that verse just said equips you for everything that he wants to use you in. All scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. For what? That the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Man, I remember whenever I took this job a few years back, and I was a young guy, still young, hopefully, and uh, just felt so unqualified unqualified, man, I I would lay in bed and I would just verbalize to my wife, why am I doing this? I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to just say this, don't settle. Don't settle for a spouse because this woman's response was the best thing she could have ever said to me. Said, Luke, you're going to have to seek God about this. Look, she, she was there for me whenever I, I, I needed it. Like, yeah, pat you on the back. But at some point, she said, hey, man, get out of bed and go seek God. So I just would do that, man. There would be some nights I was so anxious and felt so ill-equipped that I would just read the Bible till like 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm not saying that, because if, that if anything, that's not prideful. All that communicates is I don't have what it takes. You want to be used by God? Know his word. Because, man, he has shown up for me so many times through this book. And I just want you to experience that. I want you to hear his voice. Here's the other thing, man. You want to grow in your faith? Read the word. And I'm not just overemphasizing this. Let me show you the verse. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. What that verse means is that we don't have anything inside of us that can grow our faith. So if you want to grow in your faith, I know you could say it, just read the Bible, man. Like you need to hear from God. That's the best way to grow in your faith. And it will be hard work, I know. But once again, man, we have so many resources that can equip you to be able to understand it. Man, you want hope? Read the word. Romans 15, 4 says this, for whatever was written in former days, this is Old Testament, was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. How does the Bible give you hope? If you read the Bible cover to cover, you're going to find out you really can't mess it up as bad as some of the people in the Bible did. We got people killing people in the Bible and God's still faithful to them. Like, if you want hope, man, you really just got to look to the one 
who can give you hope. You want faith? You look to the one who can give you faith. We don't have it within ourselves. If we would just get alone with God, open his word, we would hear from him. And that's what we need. That is the greatest need in here tonight. Man, if you're in here, I even plan to say this, but like, and you're not engaging with the word even now, like, man, I just want you to know, like, <laughs> my sermons are not that good. But this book, it will literally change your life. It's crazy. I want you to hear from God tonight. Some of you, man, you, you, you don't know how to read the Bible, and that's fine. Man, there's, there's people all throughout this auditorium that are equipped to equip you. They're wearing lanyards, some are wearing t-shirts. If you would go up to them, this is a good application from this message. If you would go up to them and just say, hey man, and put, put our pride to the side and say, hey, I, I actually have never been taught how to read the Bible. Can you show me? Can you teach me how to read the Bible? And it's, it's not like you gotta go to seminary to be able to do that. You really can learn in like an hour. I would also give you this, man. Right now, on our social media, there's a 30-day challenge. I think it's in the link tree, if that's what we're using still. If you click that, all it is is a 30-day challenge. So it's 30 days in a row. You read different verses. And just trying to build that consistency. 30 days in a row, I'm going to get alone with God and spend time with Him and His Word. Because you need to hear His voice. If you want to know life, then you got to know God's voice. And you have to know the counterfeit voice and the true voice. This is the reality, man. What Chelsea shared last week about labels and like you're just hearing these labels that somebody from like fifth grade, you can hear it still in your head and that thing is still defining you to this day. Look, there's a difference between condemning and convicting. God will convict you. He will not condemn you. And the difference is condemning is coming after your character. Convicting is he just wants you to change an action. So if you find yourself trying to discern, hey, which is this? That's typically the difference. And I'll finish with this. Some of us, man, we, we cannot be able, we, some of us can't tell straight up. As I've just been teaching, you just understand like certain things I'm saying, but some of it you're just like, I don't know why. I just can't track with whatever he's saying. Maybe it's because whatever. But there's some things you cannot understand because you are not God's yet. My sheep, my sheep. If you're not one of his sheep, you will not know his voice. And you definitely won't follow him. And if you try to follow him without knowing his voice, that will not end well. Uh, anytime you, you go to the eastern part of the world, there's these things called bazaars, but it's not the same way we think of it. It's uh, like a river market, but a lot more dusty typically, and the stuff's not as nice. Um, but everywhere you go in the world, there'll, there'll be bazaars that you just walk through, and it's like a mall. There'll be like thousands and thousands of little like mom and pop shops. And every time I go there to one of these, I'll like see something in the distance and I'll be like, and I will get in, excited inside. I'll be like, oh my gosh, that's Jordans. Or I'll be like, those are Nikes. 
and I'll like go up to it. And as I find myself getting closer and closer to the shoes, I'll start to realize, oh, those are fake. But then I'll be like, well, maybe they're not that fake. I could still wear them. And then whenever you get real close, you're like, that's not even close, man. Like, what is that? That's not a Jordan. Like the Jordan's flipped. And in some way, and how can I tell, and how can we tell, pretty much everybody in here would be able to tell on a lot of these shoes, it's because we've seen the real thing. Like in America, you, you see real Jordans and you see real Nike products, but over there, they don't really know the difference. Like it's all just like, yeah, it's Jordan. That's the stuff I see on TikTok or whatever. But to Americans, we can spot the fakes. It's because we know the real thing. This is the same thing, or the same thing is true about God's voice. Man, you are gonna be allured by other voices in this world. The question really is, do you know God's voice? Because if you don't, you will be pushed and pulled. My sheep know my voice. They listen and they follow me. Only the sheep know the voice. The only way to know his voice is if you're one of his sheep. The day that I came to Christ and I was just reading through the Bible, trying to find answers. Remember it was a a Saturday and I came across this verse and I knew this one was really, really important. Like I said, the Bible's really telling one story. There's some smaller stories, but there's really one story in the Bible. And that's that God He wants a relationship with you and he did that through his son, Jesus Christ. And I read this verse, John 19, 16 to 18. This is what it says. I don't know what it was, but it just like clicked in my head when I read this. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and when he went out, bearing his own cross to the place called the place of skull which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Verse 18, there they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Like this is the central message of the Bible right here. And I knew it. I was like, this is the whole thing. Like Jesus calls it the whole time. If you read the gospels, he's saying, I'm gonna go do this. I'm gonna go die. And then he does it right here. And I remember picking up the phone, calling my buddy who was helping me understand the gospel, which is this message. This is what it's all about. Just listen to me. Please just hear this. I called my buddy and I'm like, hey man, I just read these verses. This is what it's all about, isn't it? And he said, you're close. You're really, really close. But if you just go to chapter 20, yes, Jesus dies lived a sinless life, dies on the cross, Luke. He's paying for your sin. But in chapter 20, he raises from the grave, proving that you're not ha- you don't have to be in bondage. You don't have to keep living the same life that you're living in handcuffs to sin. You don't have to. That isn't just for Luke, man. That is for the whole entire world. That Christ came. The main story of the Bible is that God desperately wants to know you, so much so that he would send his only son on a rescue mission here to earth. Born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, dies on a cross, 
goes into the grave, three days later raises from that grave to show that he is over sin and death. And this God, you can only hear him if you've accepted that message. If you would have said, hey, that's good and I know it, but you've never enjoyed it, you will never hear his voice. But there's something that happens that goes from here to here that it's called faith. You're saved by grace through faith, not because you go to church somewhere, not because you got baptized when you were a kid. None of that saves you. What saves you is Jesus' death on the cross. That's why he lived a sinless life. His sinless life is paying for you and I's sin. That would make him a perfect sacrifice. You will not hear his voice if you haven't put your faith and trust in this message. What that looks like is you turn from your old way of living. Look, there are some things that, man, like I knew, I knew that I knew, hey, I don't know much about Christianity, but I can't keep doing this thing. What's that thing in your life? Because you're gonna have to turn from it if you wanna follow Christ. That's what it means to follow Jesus, to put your trust and faith in his payment on the cross. And if you wanna hear his voice, that's the only way to have access to it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're good to us and you can hear us right now. Because of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, that's how you can hear us. He is our mediator to you, God. And he's the mediator back to us. That's how we hear your voice. It's through his sacrifice. Father, I pray for the people who are in here who haven't made a decision to follow you. I pray for the people in here who maybe they've made a decision, but they have not built a conviction around your word and knowing your truth. God, would you give them that? Do what you can only do, which is change a man and a woman's heart. God, we beg you. Thank you so much that you reconciled the entire world back to you if we would just come to you and not be afraid. Help my friends to take this step, whatever it may be. In Christ's name I pray, amen.